At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We're not really here to listen to my voice, so let's pray before we start. Our Father in heaven, and please may we hear the voice of our Lord Jesus calling us through these words, and please would you give us power to follow him. In his name and for your glory, amen. The world is divided. It's divided in many ways, but not least, it's divided over Jesus. Google estimates 2.5 billion Christians in the world and 5.5 billion who are not. More conservatively, millions from every nation on earth really do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we follow him. Still, billions don't. The world is divided over Jesus. In fact, so sharp is the divide that Christians are persecuted by those who don't believe. Last week at our prayer meeting, we were hearing about the severe persecution of Christians in China, India, and Nigeria. If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. Closer to home, if you speak for Jesus, you're ignored, marginalized, criticized. One of my friends won't speak to me anymore because I spoke Jesus' words to him. If you follow Jesus, you suffer loss of popularity, and I didn't have much to lose, and perhaps even loss of job security. Kate Forbes, the Scottish politician, is experiencing this right now. She bravely and humbly spoke for Jesus, and she's being hounded for doing so. The divide is real. If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. The world is divided over Jesus and his words. And surely that's evidence that Jesus hasn't made himself clear enough. Shelley, the famous 19th century poet, said, If God has spoken, why is the world not convinced? Now, it's no rhyming couplet, but it's powerful prose, isn't it? Many in the world aren't convinced, so surely God hasn't spoken, at least He hasn't made himself clear enough. When is Jesus going to tell us plainly who he is? And all the evidence we have is a Jesus who speaks and who suffers, as recorded in this book, and his sheep who follow him, speaking and suffering in Jesus' name. I mean, if it were clear, then we'd all follow him, wouldn't we? If it were clear, then we'd all speak for Jesus and be willing to suffer for doing good. So when is he going to make himself clear? When is Jesus going to tell us plainly so that we can clearly see who he really is? Like a short-sighted man, 
looking at the optician's letterboard, trying to read the bottom row, the evidence looks hazy at best. Well, according to John chapter 9, Jesus opened the eyes of a man born blind, who then spoke for Jesus and suffered for doing so. Even in his day, there was a division among the Jews because of Jesus' words. There was a division among the Jews over Jesus. And at that time, Jesus was walking in the temple in Jerusalem. So according to verse 24 of John chapter 10, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And that's the question that Jesus is going to answer. When is Jesus going to tell us plainly who he is? When he does, then you'll follow him, won't you? Then you'll speak for him and be willing to suffer for him. When is Jesus going to tell us plainly who he is? Well, Jesus' answer is going to be that he already has. He already has made it clear. Now, if you don't believe that he has, I hope by the end of the message that you'll see a little more clearly how Jesus has made himself plain. And you might be surprised. I hope these words of Jesus might be like a new pair of lenses to help you see the evidence more clearly. Or if you already believe that he has made himself clear, I hope you'll learn how to answer those who ask for evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. I don't know what answer you'd give. But the answer that we're going to see is that Jesus is doing his Father's works. That's our first heading. Jesus is doing his Father's works. When is Jesus going to tell us plainly who he is? Well, according to verse 25 of John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. How has Jesus made himself clear? By doing his Father's works. My father works as an accountant, but he always told me it was boring, so I don't do what he does. But Jesus is the Son of God, and he does his Father's works. His Father created the world. He's the one who gives us all life. That's the work that only God can do. And Jesus shows that he's the Son of God by doing his Father's works, by doing the works that only God can do. And by this stage in his earthly life, Jesus had already done many signs to show that he could do his father's works. Water turned into wine at his orders. A dying boy got better at his word. An invalid for 38 years walked. 5,000 men were miraculously fed. The eyes of the blind were opened, all at Jesus' command. Jesus had already done many signs to show that he can do his father's works, to show that he can give life. And within a few months, he would have even called his friend Lazarus out of the tomb. Jesus did many signs to show he could do his father's works, to show he could give life. But Jesus spoke of greater works than these. In the words of the 1974 hit single, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
Jesus was speaking of even greater works. He spoke not just of giving life, but of giving us eternal life. And that's what he had literally just done by opening a man's spiritual eyes to follow him. Because to see who Jesus really is, to know the Father who sent him, that is eternal life. That is what it's all about. I'm never more alive than when I follow Jesus, than when I hear his voice, and when I believe in the Father who sent him. Jesus gives me eternal life. And that's how he shows that he's the Son of God. By doing his Father's works. By doing the works that only God can do. Not just giving life, but giving us eternal life. In theory, Prince William could show us that he's the son of King Charles by doing what only his father can do. But nowadays, that's not very much. In the 21st century, the royal prerogative is somewhat limited. However, in centuries gone by, kings had real power. In 1000 BC, King David reigned as the first great king of Israel. Only he had the power to make a place for God's throne in Jerusalem. You could say building God's house was the work of the king of Israel. Only he had the authority to do so. So years later, when Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, he was clearly showing that he's the king of Israel, that he was David's son. He made it plain by doing his father's works, by building a house for God. And Jesus is making it plain by doing his father's works, by giving life, by giving us eternal life. He's clearly showing that he's the Christ, the Son of God, by doing what only God can do. But more than that, Jesus is doing the works that his father had promised to do. God had promised to give us eternal life, to give eternal life to his people when Christ, the Son of God, would come. Through his prophets, God had promised that one day he would come as his people's shepherd, coming to save his sheep. He promised to save his sheep from every nation. He promised to give us eternal life. And Jesus shows that he's the Son of God by doing his Father's works, by doing what his Father had said he'd do. King David had said that he would build a house for God. That was his plan. So when Solomon built that temple in Jerusalem, he made it crystal clear that he was his father's son. He was doing what his father had said he'd do. And Jesus is doing what his father had said he'd do. He's saving his sheep. He's giving eternal life to people from all nations. He's made it crystal clear who he is, by doing his father's works. And so the reason billions don't believe in Jesus is not for a lack of evidence. Jesus has made it clear that he's the Christ, the son of God. He's made it clear that he's the good shepherd whom his father promised would come. Jesus is the good shepherd come to save his sheep, come to give us eternal life. It's not that those who don't believe lack evidence, it's that they're not among his sheep. And just as Jesus said, according to verse 26, you don't believe because you are not among my sheep. 
Not everyone is among Jesus' sheep. His father hadn't promised to save everyone. He'd promised to save people from every nation. He'd chosen his people from all the world, his sheep whom he'd save. But not everyone is among his sheep. Why those who are not his sheep don't believe, we'll see next week. This week, all we're seeing is that, it, that it's according to the Father's plan, and it's not for a lack of evidence. Jesus has made himself crystal clear. I don't work as an accountant, as my father does. But in centuries gone by, it was very common for a son to do what his father did. A father would show his son how to do his work, how to carry on the family business. And Jesus' father had shown him how to do his work. So Jesus is showing that he's the son of God by doing his father's works, by doing the works that only God can do, and by doing the works that God had promised to do. But is the evidence really that compelling? Has Jesus really made himself that clear? I've mentioned before that as a teenager, I was completely blind to God. I wanted nothing to do with him, and I definitely didn't want to be his sheep. All I could see was lame sheep who followed Jesus. Sure, they were kind, but they didn't look very impressive. They spoke about Jesus and suffered for doing so, and to my shame, I inflicted some of that suffering. Whatever it looked like, it didn't look like Jesus was giving them eternal life. And perhaps it doesn't look like that to you either. The father promised to save his sheep and give them eternal life. But Christians look more like lame sheep being led to the slaughter. And is Jesus really doing his father's works? Is he really giving us eternal life? Well, yes, he is. Jesus is saving his sheep. And that's our second heading. Jesus is saving his sheep. And that's what he said according to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is clearly doing his father's works because he's saving his sheep. That is, He's calling sinners to follow him. I mentioned last week that my parents live opposite a farm, but there aren't any sheep there, so I haven't witnessed, it, haven't witnessed this firsthand. But ask a Welshman, and he'll tell you that sheep are prone to going astray, each one of them going its own way. So a man with a staff demonstrates that he's the shepherd of his sheep by calling them to follow him. If the sheep that are prone to going astray follow this man, then it shows he's their shepherd. If the sheep hear his voice and he knows them, then they follow him. Likewise, sinners are prone to going astray, each one of us going his own way. So Jesus demonstrates that he's our saviour by calling us to follow him. If sinners who are prone to going astray follow Jesus, then it shows he's our saviour. His sheep hear his voice and he knows us, so we follow him. 
Jesus is saving his straying sheep. He's calling sinners to follow him. And so clearly he's doing his father's works because only God can save us from sin. The history books, BBC News, and the human conscience all tell us that we can't save ourselves from sin. Man-made religion can't stop us straying from God. Self-help books can't stop each of us going his own way. Sheer willpower can't stop us from sinning. Only God can save us from sin. So Jesus is clearly doing his father's works because he's saving his sheep. He's calling sinners to follow him. I'm just one example of a sinner whom Jesus is saving. I'd gone astray, I was going my own way, and I didn't want to listen to God. But Jesus saved me. I heard his voice through the Bible. He loved me, and now I follow him. Now, of course, I'm still a work in progress. I still sin, and I'm still prone to going astray. But Jesus has started his work in me, He is saving me, and he will complete his work in the end. And that's true of all of Jesus' sheep throughout the world. He's saving us from our sin. He's calling sinners like us to follow him. If you're a sinner, and you're following Jesus, you can be confident that he's saving you from your sin. But again... It might not look like it. It might not look like Jesus is saving us. It might not look like Jesus is giving us eternal life. Christians are persecuted throughout the world. If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. And that doesn't look like eternal life. If the sheep scattered on the Welsh hills follow that man's voice, that might show he's their shepherd, But if he's leading them along a cobbled path lined with wolves, it doesn't look like he's a very good one. A good shepherd leads his life, leads his sheep into rich pasture. And Christians might not look like sheep being led into rich pasture. We look more like lambs being led to the slaughter. When we first moved into our house in High Brooms, the first thing our neighbor told us about the area was that there was a slaughterhouse down the road, an abattoir. He seemed to think that was a unique selling point. Well, persecuted Christians look more like lambs being led to the slaughter than sheep being led into rich pasture. Is Jesus really the good shepherd? Is he really giving us eternal life? Well, yes, he is. He's saving us through suffering. Now that's what Jesus said according to verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Is Jesus really giving us eternal life? Yes, he's saving us through suffering. Now of course Jesus is saving us through his own suffering. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus suffered and died for our sins, and that's the way that he saves us. But he also saves us through suffering in the sense that following him involves suffering. 
If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. And Jesus keeps us following him through the suffering. No one will snatch us out of his hand. He's saving us from sin, and he's saving us through suffering. And Jesus calls sinners to follow him, and he keeps us through thick and thin. Those Welsh sheep might be following their shepherd along a cobbled path lined with wolves, but their shepherd is keeping them going towards that rich pasture. And there might be fear and suffering along the way, but ultimately, no one will snatch them out of his hand. And actually, that demonstrates what a good shepherd he really is. If the sheep keep following someone through luscious grass without any danger in sight, that doesn't really demonstrate the shepherd's ability to save his sheep. But if they keep following him through thick and thin, as he ultimately saves them from every threat, now that demonstrates what a good shepherd he truly is. And Jesus demonstrates that he's the good shepherd, not just by calling us to follow him, but by keeping us through thick and thin. He's saving us from sin, and he's saving us through suffering. The thought of persevering through suffering in order to follow God seemed crazy to me before I knew Jesus. It seemed impossible that sinners would persevere through suffering in order to serve the God they once hated. But shortly after he called me to follow him, I remember the snide remarks that I'd get. If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. And I was tempted to give up. The devil was trying to snatch me away. But Jesus kept me going. He's just that wonderful. Then at university, I remember being openly mocked in front of all of my friends for speaking about Jesus. If you speak for Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. I thought about going silent. The devil was trying to snatch me away. But Jesus kept his hand on me. He's too powerful to let go. Even in these last few months, I've felt especially fragile and plagued with doubts. The devil is trying to snatch me away. But no one can snatch us out of Jesus' hand. He is the loving Son of God. And through trials and temptations, Jesus is keeping his sheep. In China, India, and Nigeria, through severe persecution, Jesus is keeping his sheep. He was doing it in the first century, and he's doing it in the 21st century as well. Jesus is calling sinners to follow him, and he's keeping us through suffering. No matter the trials and the temptations that you're going through, no one is able to snatch us out of Jesus' hand. Jesus is clearly doing the Father's works. Through the prophet Isaiah, God had said, I save, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. And Jesus is saving his sheep. No one can snatch us out of his hand. He's doing his Father's works, because as he said, according to verse 30, he and his Father are one. Now, when is Jesus going to tell us plainly who he is? Well, it doesn't get much clearer than that. 
Jesus shows that he's one with the Father by doing his Father's works, by saving his sheep. If you're one of those people who didn't think Jesus had made it plain, I hope you can see a little more clearly now. With these words of Jesus as new lenses to look through, can't you see more clearly now? Jesus is doing the works that only God can do. In fact, he's doing the works that God had promised to do. They might not be the works that you'd have expected. They might not look like you would have expected from God. I mean, he is the God who came into the world to suffer and to lay down his life for his sheep. But Jesus is saving his sheep. He's saving us from sin and he's saving us through suffering. And suffering Christians might not look very impressive, but with the lenses of Jesus' words, we are the evidence that Jesus is saving his sheep. As he keeps sinners following him, even through suffering, it shows that Jesus is doing his Father's works. Jesus is giving us eternal life, and we will never perish, and no one can snatch us out of his hand. So can I call you to believe in Jesus too? He can do his Father's works in you. He can save you from sin, and he can keep you through suffering. But if you already believe that, I hope this has given you a better answer for those who ask for evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. But who are we kidding? We don't just need this in order to answer others' questions. We need to be encouraged by this ourselves. We all suffer doubts, trials, and temptations. If you follow Jesus, you suffer for Jesus. And so we all need to be encouraged that Jesus really is doing his Father's works, and no one can snatch us out of his hands. So keep listening to Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Keep following him through thick and thin, and keep trusting that he will keep you through suffering and even through death itself because no one is able to snatch us out of his hand. So let's pray to our Father in Jesus' name. Our Father in heaven, and we praise you for who you are. We praise you for the promises that you had made. And we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you sent him. And we thank you that he is doing your works, that he is saving your sheep. And we thank you that he has called us to follow him, that he is saving sinners like us. And we thank you that he is keeping us through suffering. And please would you hold us in your hand and please would you continue to save all of the sheep whom you gave to Jesus. In his name and for your glory. Amen.